All right. So uh, what's new between last week and this week since we talked? Hmm. Saving the planet after <laughs> fixing it all. Yeah, I've. Um, um, I don't know. I, I can't. Um, can't Just think of steady on the course, huh? That's all right. Well, yeah, we will, steady we'll as she goes. <laughs> absolutely. Well, that makes sense. It doesn't always have to be new to be exciting and good. So um we'll uh we'll dive into some of the latest projects what clients are you working with right now um well we're working with boston university uh right now and um we are enrolling awesome. in our uh eight-week online zero waste business academy all right welcome in to vision pros live with jackson callum i'm your show host we will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there <laughs> What's up, Vision Pros, and welcome in to another episode of Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business, and I'm excited to be bringing Stacey Savage on for our next episode. We just took a short break. We're right back at it. Why? Because we know how valuable these interviews are for those who are able to tune in and listen. So I know you won't be able to catch them all, but the segments that we grab, the opportunities to discuss these principles of growth and leadership and things that are needed in the world is just such a phenomenal opportunity that we've decided to not just double down, but to go all out and have more of these shows more regularly because of the amazing impact that it's had with, with so many people's lives. So um, with that said, let's talk about some of these sponsorships of choice. So uh, Cap Show and Icon Maker Live. Um, I'm going to feature Cap Show first. Cap Show is what we utilize to create our show notes. So if you were to go to Vision Pros Live, it's uh, uh, please drop the link for me. I mean, I think it's go.firstclassbusiness.io forward slash whatever. I'm not going to finish it. You can click on the link and get there easier. So go to Vision Pros Live. And once you're there, you go to some of those episodes, you'll see what Cap Shows uh, we're using Cap Show for. So Cap Show is the fastest way to repurpose and market your expert content. Go, Jaime, go for pulling this on my screen. Um, and you'll notice on the right-hand side, it shows a screenshot of what you get. But basically, you upload your episodes or your video content, your audio content of any type. And it will basically pull that information, combine it with this AI, which serves like a content creation machine for you. And you just click buttons to be able to get access to LinkedIn, Facebook posts, um, LinkedIn articles, Twitter art Twitter articles, Twitter posts, um, sound bites. There's so many different elements that it's able to, to give you so that you don't have to create your content from scratch. Why should you? You just spoke it into a microphone. You might as well capture it, have an AI recirculate and put that together in a way that allows you to touch more people's lives. It's super cool. And I can honestly just think Capshow and my team, I've never touched this page you're looking at for Cheryl Plouffe. Um, it allows us to be able to do things more effectively. And so if you think about it, if you have somebody who's doing your content for you and you don't have a system like this, it's kind of like giving them a toothbrush and saying, go ahead and scrub the floors, right? And no, we've now got a system basically like a, a Roomba going around and, and, and doing that for us. And it empowers a team 
to be much better at what they do and focus on higher level tasks at hand with moving our podcast forward. So we love Cap Show very much. I'm very grateful for it. IconMakerLive.com is coming up this coming week as well. On Wednesday of next week, you'll be able to um, attend this event. And as you look at the page Jaime is about to pull up and go through it, you'll see what it's all about. It's about teaching people how to launch their podcasts profitably. We're talking about moving towards seven figures as podcasters. Um, I'm on that journey and path myself. Um, I'm not there yet. I want people to know that, be aware of that. I'm not shy about it. We're not there. We look forward to being there. It's one of the reasons why we got involved with this project. I'm also grateful and honored that they allowed us to recreate the copy for the pages itself. I look forward to working more closely with Tom Matson and Cheryl. As we talked this morning about the lineup of activities of what's going on, it, he just kind of blew my mind yet again with different, different people that they're going to be hosting and putting on stage to help people drive forward successful podcasts. So if you're in the podcast world or you're considering getting into it, and really, if you're an authority figure and you're building your credibility, this is one of the absolute best ways to do so and create an environment where you've not only got a community plugged into it, but you've got a microphone where people are coming in and hearing you out and trying to gain value from you. And how do I do that? Well, in my case for my podcast, it's by bringing on other leaders who know way more than I do about the subject matter at hand. So with that said, we're going to shift gears one more time. Uh, grateful for the whoop. My fingers don't quite rise to it yet, but the water project, um, the water project is a opportunity to get involved with an entity that's providing clean drinking water for those in need. Please, if you're hearing this for the first time, go check out the water project, go give a dollar, go see how cool the experience is, um, because they'll keep you up to date with with the project fulfillment and what happens with that. It's one of my favorite um, organizations to support because of the transparency that exists with that. And Jaime will be dropping a link in the in the show notes for you guys to be able to access one of those projects that needs funded now. And just imagine being those children that you see right there and having to drink water that looks like lemonade that's not lemonade at all and what it could do to your health. You have the opportunity to impact that and help them get what they need, as do I, um, which is why we're constantly talking about this, promoting this and contributing to it. So we're going to bring on a special guest named Stacy Savage. She has a program designed to help drive zero waste, to help companies commit to uh, contributing in ways that will uh, hopefully help this planet um, and in massively impactful ways that sometimes we just don't know how to articulate. We don't know how to think of, but whether it's for the sake of the ozone or for the sake of the animals or the people affected by the deterioration taking place within our planet, um, I'm just excited to bring her on and hear her perspective and talk to her because I grew up in a very conservative home where that wasn't thought of, you know, very, very much. My dad's in the oil field. So it was my grandpa. So, um, you know, we've, we've done our fair share of, of uh, contributing to both probably the problem and the solutions throughout life. And I think most of us could make more space to at least understand the subject better, if not see how we can make an impact because it does truly matter. And we'll be looking at that from different angles today. So Stacy, thank you so much for being here today. And, uh, Man, I'm, I'm just really happy to have uh, your expertise on this subject because I don't know a whole lot about it. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we will definitely get into it. <laughs> for sure. Definitely. So talk to me first about this. Who should be listening in? Why should they listen to you as an expert? And what are they going to get out of today's show, do you think? 
So the first part of the question, who should listen? I think these are universal concepts that can be practiced at home, at work and at play where you recreate. And this is all about keeping valuable materials out of the landfill. And this is about nice. saving landfill space as well. So the, uh, sorry, the, the question. Went oh, away. that's okay. I don't know. Up to you. My bad. That's a why should they listen to highlight you? your name and your title, but you're right. So, you know, why, why should we be listening to you specifically? And, and then uh, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, you covered that one. So what's your expertise? Yeah, this. so I'm I'm an expert in zero waste, and that is globally defined as a 90% waste reduction from landfills and incinerators. And we do that through a hierarchy of materials management. And if you think about an inverted triangle, landfill and incineration is the very, very, very bottom tip of the triangle. And that is actually a disposal method, but they're you know, whenever you think about the three R's, everybody's heard of the three R's, reduce, yeah. reuse, recycle, but there's actually more like nine. There's nine. like nine R's in there. Yeah, that businesses can utilize um, with their for their materials within their business structure. And this goes for college campuses. This goes for nonprofit agencies. This goes for local government agencies as well. These are all uh, key concepts that can be implemented because this is all driven by habit change through um habit change through our um, our decision making at the the bend systems within our um, uh, our business infrastructure right so wherever the bins are in your hallway on your floor uh, at the elevator within the foyer foyer uh, area you know where are your bins located and uh, are they accessible are they convenient do people know how to use them and you know a lot of times the answer is no <laughs> so right. about educating people on how to properly handle their materials because we are the waste generators um, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're kind of the crux, if you will, because if you think about it, how did you get that product in your hand? Yeah. Somebody made it, it came from the earth, a resource, whether it's petroleum, uh, or wood or bauxite for aluminum, something was mined ref and refined and produced and made into a product transported and ended up on your store shelf. You bought it. And it's probably going to break in about six months and you have to go buy a new one. <laughs> right. uh, so what, how did that material end up in your hands? And you're the, the kind of the crux um, of handling that material responsibly at the bin system. So we normally, you know, the ideal uh, measure would be having a three bin system of trash recycling and food waste composting. But a lot of services aren't available like that in some areas uh, across the okay. U.S. So if you don't have the, the services, you know, or the infrastructure locally, you know, then then you're not going to be able to offer that at your business um, or to your right. internal employees. So it's all about driving the habit change. And you and I, as the materials generators, are the crux about what happens to the materials. Are they getting into the right bin? Um, you know, and then you have to think about who's handling those materials downstream at the recycling plant or the composting facility or the landfill. Uh, it just depends on who's doing what with the materials that are in their hands. 
one of the things that struck me most regarding our audience um, about our conversation pre-show was about how you came from a, a grassroots um, effort of, of door knocking and uh, maybe you didn't come from it, but it sounded like there was an opportunity where you were kind of coming at the companies and saying, hey, this is your fault. You need to fix this, um, you know, and there's really no benefit to you, but make sure that you're playing by these rules or else. Um, or that's what a lot of people imagine when mm -hmm. when they think of uh, protests or people who want to create this change. But when we talked, you talked about how your plans, your strategy has shifted or um, actually empowers the brand to see the opportunity at hand with with um, with moving towards zero waste. But you have a deep respect for how much they how much impact they want to create. And you're aware of the challenges they face as business owners and leadership, you know, trying to divide their time between how do I provide for my family? How do I provide for the world? Um, mm -hmm. And how do I also make sure to, you know, keep it all clean as I do so that really struck me. So I'd love to know what's your vision for those that you're serving in terms of the businesses that that you work with? Um, my vision is habit change and, you know, it, it really starts with the, the key uh, education piece of it and helping. Let's think about what is a company. It's made up of people and the company that is made up of those people are usually the people that work there in the local community. They live there. They have homes and, you know, their, their places of worship and their local parks and their school. And these are places that they cherish. And so, you know, they, they don't want to pollute their own neighborhood. Um, so it's, it's important to have these habit changes at work and at home um, in order to, normalize the, the, uh, you know, the zero waste concepts, um, uh, as well, because, you know, if you're, if you're mishandling these, these materials, um, then we're losing jobs in the local community as well. Uh, a lot of times these materials, if they're too contaminated because they weren't handled properly, a lot of times if it's 25, 30%, too contaminated, the, the whole load is going to go to landfill because it's just too costly to, mm. to separate all that material um, and to reclean it <laughs> and to process it. So the, the hauler and the processor are just going to descend it to the dump. So if we, as the generators of these materials, are not handling these uh, materials as a valuable commodity, there's no such thing as waste ever. We, we live on a circular planet with finite resources and there's no such place as a way. You can't throw something away because it always ends up downstream um, or, you know, in the downstream economy. So it ends up somewhere. Maybe that's your, you know, in our oceans. Um, maybe that's in, you know, the uh, near the, the school where a landfill butts up against a, you know, a school. So there's, there's no such place as a way we have to handle these materials in a more sustainable, sustainable manner. And, uh, you know, keeping those materials local in the local community helps drive those green jobs with dignity. Well-paying green jobs with dignity is, is a, a key driver economically. And that's going to happen with the habit change that you and I as individuals uh, can, uh, can exhibit. I love that. 
So why is that important? Why is all this important to you specifically? And why should it be important to the, the leaders that you work with, the, the brands considering to bring somebody like yourself in? Yeah, you know, just like you, I, I grew up, you know, uh, Southeast Texas, Louisiana border and uh, the yeah. you know, Golden Triangle area uh, near the, the Gulf Coast. So that's the oil and gas mecca of the country. And my parents worked at oil and gas refineries for a collective 75 years. I still have cousins, aunts, uncles that work at these refineries. So in a nutshell, my family's complicit in the pollution of these brown, hazy skies and rotten egg smells. But you can't blame them because it's the only lucrative business uh, or industry in the area that will allow you to send three kids to college, which is, you know, I have Free two internet, sisters. For sure. Pre-internet. I've got two sisters. I'm the classic middle child <laughs> and a Cajun on top of that. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of defiance um, against these <laughs> institutions that you know that I've, I've uh, instilled upon myself through my education and through me being able to have these lived experiences and knowing that family members have died of weird cancers, people that are very impactful in my life. So it's really important to me to help the businesses from the inside out, to help them, not harm them, because again. These are people that make up these businesses. They're run by people just like you and me. And if they don't know better, they don't know that they don't know better. Right. So we have to do the education. We've got to help them understand that, you know, going green as a business is no longer a request. Yeah. It is a demand of investors, shareholders, consumers, your employees as well. So I, I think it's important for them to get ahead of the curve and it's really important for them to get the assistance from experts in the field like like myself. I love that you highlight that. Um, you know, it is it is one of those things that the world is adopting, um, you know, in, in, in stride right now. And so you mentioned some very key components. And if you're irresponsibly not listening Right. It's not, not even about the matter of like, if this matters to you personally, it should if it matters to those who you serve, um, you know, and we need to take time to, to hear people out on that. So um, I try not to get into science because I don't know the science, but I do know the feeling, um, you know, of of what it means to keep a clean house. Mm -hmm. I do know the feeling of what it means to, um, you know, to I do know what germs are um, and I, I know I know what it means to. Uh, mean when somebody washes their hands properly before leaving the bathroom and what it means when somebody doesn't like those things, mm -hmm. uh, they, they strike me. You mentioned the placement of bins. I'm going to, I'm going to rant a little bit on this one. Uh, my health teacher in high school, uh, said, if you go into restaurant, he taught us how to wash your hands, experiment style, like where everybody got to try. And then at the end, he showed you exactly how you're yeah. all getting it wrong and getting each other's germs. And, and you grab the door handle with the, the napkin, um, you know, the paper towel, as you go out and you know there is no trash bin right there then throw the towel on the ground right where they should be putting a waste bin um as a form of peaceful protest that this is this is not acceptable you know it means every single worker that just finished you know peeing or whatever else just walked out of that bathroom having touched everybody else's hands that didn't wash their hands. And I was like, you know, we're like, oh, this is awful. Um, you know, and, and he's like, you know, so anyway, that that's and so, so everywhere I go, I see that that lack of truth. If I see lack of traction, I do the same thing. I'm not trying to be a mean person, um, you know, but 
that's one example. Um, what are some overlooked examples in the world, you know, that seem common sense to, to, to perhaps you, but that maybe others are missing that we can improve, uh, you know, in well, our I'd, workplaces? I'd say that one that you just mentioned is the prime example is there's no bin there, but you know what? It shouldn't be a trash bin. It should be a composting bin because paper towels for hand washing is not recyclable. And it shouldn't go to landfill because it's compostable. So there should be, if you have composting services in your area, like an industrial composting facility that can come and pick up your food waste and your, you know, your hand towels, Absolutely. There should be a composting bin right next to it. It should be green. There should be signage all over the place of what can and can't right go into that bin. Right. And it should be, you know, hand towels only, used hand towels only. And, you know, that that way the janitorial crew at the end of the, the night that comes and cleans the office space can pull that and put it into the composting bin outdoors. And uh, that way it gets to the correct facility. But yeah, that's a that's a prime example right there. And um, I, I think a, another kind of trend that businesses are doing uh, that are going kind of the zero waste route is they are taking all of the small trash cans and recycling bins out of individual offices and desks. And they're doing larger bins out in the hallway so that people have to get up, walk over. And they have to decide what goes where. Mm. And you can't just, yeah, if you're at your, your if you've got like a, a side desk recycling bin with a little trash can on it or whatnot, um, then you can handle those materials however you want. But if you're out in the open in a public hallway, uh, ah. where those, yeah, so you're under a little it's bit more of accountability. It is all about accountability because people under their desk can do what they want. And the janitorial staff is not going to come through and start separating, you know, desk side <laughs> containers. Materials, right. Yeah. But what they will do is, is uh, you know, take items that are more properly sorted in the bigger containers in a more public area um, that have the proper signage and the color coding, you know, black for trash, blue for recycling, green for your composting and having the, the signage with graphics and English and Spanish and making sure that everybody understands what goes where. Um, an apple core in any language is an apple core, right? So if you've got the graphics on there, people understand what goes where. Uh, right. It's just an example. So yeah, that bin placement is really important. And so is the um, getting a little bit more scrutiny about your habits <laughs> and having some more public accountability among your workers. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's, you know, there's some other trends and maybe I'm, I'm shooting off in left field here, but I'm thinking, I imagine that if, you know, if we have, I don't know, a hundred employees in a room, they've all got their own trash can. There's quite the expense as well on the trash bin itself that each person has, mm -hmm. especially if they get broken once in a while. Um, right. There's an additional cost there. And then all the bags, um, you know, you got a new janitor who decides to just throw all the bags away every day instead of every week, right? The the cost on that as well um, would, would likely be higher. Am I wrong about that? Would it be more costly no, you're, to have? You're spot on because those bags can be pretty costly. And uh, not only that, it's more labor costs because it takes the janitors a lot more time to go through yes. in, in each individual office. So you're more labor expenses there. Um, but also 
janitorial crews have extremely high turnover rate and to get them properly trained up and to stick around for a while, um, you know, it's, it's a thankless job. And even, you know, even our, our trash haulers that come up and down our street or services our business, those are thankless jobs, but they're absolutely vital to a clean society, right? And how we operate in public and, and within our, our office and workspaces. So, you know, it, if you can't, if you're making it more difficult for the janitorial staff to keep the materials properly separated, then you're going to get mixed bags out in the outdoor dumpsters. They're going to be all jumbled. They're not going to be sort. They're not going to be separated correctly right. because they're just for chucking because they need to get back inside, right? They need to get back to the the next floor, and they've only got a set amount of time to do X, Y, and Z. And if you're making it difficult, then um, you know there's going to be less care in keeping the materials separate. And yes. these bags make sure to go to trash. These bags make sure to go to to uh, the recycling bin, and then these bags go to the composting bin. You're going to get cross-contamination because it becomes an urgency of their time. Right. They're, they're feeling the urgency of needing to get back in to service the rest of the building. Correct. Okay. And the other, the other benefit that I would say comes along with this too is the byproduct of having a trash can um, that everybody has to kind of walk to is you're encouraging people to, I know it shouldn't be called exercise, but move, you know, their body, get up from their workstation. And all that, you know, I think some people would be like, oh my gosh, that's counterproductive. That's going to slow me down. Like, whoa, you're like addicted to, like, you need to chill. Like, there's nothing wrong with going to a trash can. In fact, there's everything right with getting up from what you're doing, going and changing, you know, like thinking about something else for a minute and then coming back to work. So. Right. Uh, I think a lot of times we create these conveniences that are just ridiculous um, and we don't realize they, they inhibit our own personal performance, um, let alone contribute, as you mentioned, to ways yeah. that, that hurt, that they create, that create, I don't want to call it waste now. You said there's no waste, but create waste. Materials. Um, you know, yeah, it's not the waste of the material, but you waste your time, you waste the mm -hmm. energy, you waste the company's resources in the process. So that's neat. Um, what's a powerful lesson that other visionaries can learn um, from your experience in terms of having launched this company that it seems like it, this is probably a very hard company to launch? Yeah, we uh, we launched in 2013. So we're coming up on our 11 year anniversary. That's amazing. And yeah, I mean, but I think that we were a little early to market um, yeah. because the term zero waste was not, uh, very well known um, among mid, mid size and small businesses. The big guys really knew it was coming. They could see it from a mile away. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's when they started getting their facility certifications for true zero waste, um, through the U S green building council, kind of like lead for energy and water, mm -hmm. but true is, is for zero waste uh, and waste reduction. Um, so they they started getting these these uh, facilities their facilities uh, certified and implementing you know the the changes that were necessary. But I really think the mid level uh, or you know mid size and small size businesses were really caught off guard, and especially when local 
especially when ordinances, local city ordinances started to come into play. And so I'm here in the Austin area. And, you know, in 2010, the city of Austin passed the Universal Recycling Ordinance. And the URO states that all commercial properties in the city limits of Austin must divert recycling to at least 50%. And if you have a food permit, um, a little, a couple of years later, this part of, of the ordinance rolled out. If you have a food permit, you also had to reduce food waste um, by a dramatic, you know, amount. And right. um, that could be through composting, but it could also be through, you know, better and higher uses like um, food, food waste reduction and uh, reuse and repurposing and donations to like farmers and ranchers um, or donations to local food banks, legal food donations um, where you get a tax write off. So there's, you know, these local ordinances started rearing their heads and businesses were like, oh my gosh, what is this? I've never even heard the term zero waste. And so, you know, we, we decided then, okay, this, this is coming. These companies are understanding that they can't just keep throwing everything into a, a you know, a landfill bin and uh, be done with it. You have to be a lot more um, intentional. You know, curious about it, intentional about it, but also tracking it. you got to track your materials and your, your waste stream and uh, train your, your staff to use these programs correctly. Um, so I would say the, the thing to do for, you know, for these businesses is to get ahead of the curve um, and to go ahead and start implementing these processes. Yeah. And as far as, starting my business and what other visionaries can learn. <sighs> I mean, I can pick when, a few things. Go ahead. We, I've got a few first, that I want to follow up on. When we first started, it was really hard to gain traction because of the lack of knowledge of the market, the industry. In marketing, this is called a blue ocean. And it's yeah. something that some marketers <laughs> say is the best thing ever. You want to be in a blue ocean. No, you do not. It is a hard it's thing. Hard. You have a very big heart if you yeah. stick with a blue ocean process. <laughs> well, I, I knew the I knew it was coming down the pike and, and I was like, OK, we need to position ourselves as the go to zero waste company in Texas. We have over 200 landfills across our state. We have a lot of work to do and there's a lot of room for improvement. So I said, I'm going to be the green gal of Texas. And, you know, and then I became Ooh. the Texas trash talker. Right. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. so, <laughs> so, you know, I, that's all I do all day is I talk trash, but um, nice. as far as, as for visionaries, it was hard to, for us to gain traction because businesses just didn't know where to begin or if they had a directive from their company, they weren't given any funding or enforcement mechanisms or, you know, it was a high priority, but it just kept getting pushed back to the back burner because of the daily overwhelm of their normal business operations. So, you know, that's whenever I decided, I was like, okay, it's time for me to design a consulting firm that can help these businesses. And the first contract we got was with Nestle Purina. And let me tell you, I had no idea what I was doing. And I wow. actually, I got um, two of my mentors in- Like Nestle as in, as in the chocolate. Uh, as in St. Louis, Missouri, under the arch, Nestle Purina Pet Care, the largest employee of- St. Louis. <laughs> wow. They um, 
they reached out and said, our CEO has given us a zero waste mandate. We have no idea where to start. Can you help? And I was like, oh, no, I just started my business. But what I did was say yes to the contract, and I figured it out later. Good for you. But once I said yes to the contract, and then I had my team, you know, of zero waste elders who have been in this space for 40 years, and they're the ones that help set the global standards and definitions of what zero waste actually is. Um, I brought them on my team and I said, let's do it. On paper, I was leading the entire process. In the background, I was learning, I was scrambling to learn and, and to pull in, you know, all the spreadsheets and the anal uh, analysis and the waste audit and how to do X, Y, Z and all these things. And then I would calmly present you know, our findings. <laughs> um, but it was the steepest learning curve I had ever had, but it was, it's kind of what gave me the the um, invigorations, the the push and the confidence to move forward to go get these other big contracts um, like Dell and Apple and AT&T and uh, Kohler. So how did was, they find you? Or they how found did you find me. them? They, they found me. They just fell in my lap. Some of it was, you know, word of mouth referral, business to business kind of thing, or, you know, my mentors that I'd used in previous contracts brought me in. And, yep. you know, I would help them or they would say, hey, my schedule's too packed. Can you take on this company yeah. and help them with their true certification or do a waste audit for them or do a, you know, a training? Um, OK, but- you downplay it. But those things that you did, those like you were playing nice in the sandbox with others. Mm-hmm. You were actively working with other people. You were seeing the opportunity of the win-win at all times, whether it was your contract or their contract, you were available and you're obviously a doer. You're, you're a hustler. You get things done um, mm-hmm. and you don't see problems. You see opportunities for solutions. Um, so all of those little characteristics are going to be easy to overlook. Like any visionary listening in right now, you know, that's, that's what wins the big contracts is that go get it done um, attitude and, and the ability to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. So well done. I I think one key piece of it was that I told myself, you know, especially on our first contract, I'm here to learn and I'm going to keep my mouth shut until, so I can learn from the masters because there's the one, they're the ones who set up the entire program. Yeah. They're the ones I need to learn from. And I'm so grateful to have them on my team because they could have easily just said no. And then I would have lost that contract to be like, sorry, I can't handle this on my own, or I would have had to seek out other people who may have not have had as much experience. So I was able to learn from the best and to take their strategies and implement them into my business. The way I was able to do that was to check my ego. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm up and coming. I know what I'm doing. No, you no, I didn't. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to run a business. I had to deal with legal uh, taxes you know, financial, social media, uh, you know, everything, all these hats that I was wearing. And then I have to fly to another state and learn how to actually do my business. Yes. And and so it was uh, very eye-opening, very humbling, but it was such a strong collaboration between the four of us, the three of us, because the end goal was to get the results for the client. And if I wasn't able to check my ego then I would have, you know, vomited nonsense all over this project whenever I needed to sit down and zip it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's hard for me to do. <laughs> nah, 
<laughs> well, you did it well. I mean, it got you to some of the biggest clients in the world. So um, that's pretty awesome. And you know, there's one thing if I if I died today um, and I could make one impact in terms of zero waste, and you've already nailed, you've already alluded to it, and it would be my invitation, Stacy, to improve the signage, um, improve the instructions. Um, if we can optimize, optimize, optimize the signage, and I'll, I'll show a little example on my screen here. Um, you mentioned it. And if your company takes full control of, of improving this, you know, like the, this bin system over here on the right hand side, yeah. like I'm not going to use it. I don't even know what those pictures are. You know, like I'm not like, that's just scary. Um, you know, and this one is a little bit clearer, right? But the, mm -hmm. it's, I'm, I do optimizations for a living. Like that's what I do is optimize yeah. everything I can. And so, if, you know, if the consumer doesn't get it, well, like, you know, I, you know, maybe this is clear enough, you know, mm -hmm. a pear should represent a banana as well, but do people really get that? I don't know. Oh, I mean, like it's, but there's, there's lots of ways to test and make sure that <clears throat> the instructions we're providing are as clear as possible for anybody to take the right, right. action without extensive training. Right. That, and that's our ultimate to goal. piggyback off of that is every recycling program in every single city is completely different. Right. Exactly. So and then, when you say cities, I mean, we both live around the San Antonio Austin area, you know, like my recycling program uh, from Cibolo, the little outskirt of mm -hmm. San Antonio to Castroville, which I'm not even in. I'm still in San Antonio, but but we've got different rules, different laws, different fines, different mm -hmm. realities. Does the box go in? Does it not? Uh, do you have to break the box down? Do you not? It gets so it's so painfully difficult for both. <laughs> Always leaders. break the box down. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Always break the period. <laughs> Save that space. Um, yeah. The so it's not just the recycling programs through your municipality or your county government, or even if it's a private hauler. I live on the outskirts of, of Bastrop. Right. Yeah. And and I'm where your kids, you know, lived there for a couple yeah, of years, yeah. uh, I found out. And, you know, I'm not even in the city limits. I'm in the county and I pay an arm and a leg just to have recycling services out here because it's it's a little bit more rural um, mm -hmm. and it's not as densely packed as the city. So, yeah. you know, I have to walk the talk, of course. So I I, I budget for what I need quarterly in order to pay my recycling pickup bill. Um, so it's not just, it's not just. So you take proactive measures that normally people wouldn't even be aware that they yeah. can do. That's, and I, have I, a side I yard. I've got a compost, uh, I've got a spinning compost thing on, on my side yard too. I, you call 911 to figure that out or. To um, figure out. <laughs> if you want the, if you wanted a recycling program and you don't have one. Oh, I usually call the the city. Oh no, I lost you, Stacy. We're on a good good part here too. We're solving problems that we often overlook. All right, we'll see if Stacy's internet reconnects soon. As she mentioned, she's in a rural area, so it it could be that as soon as she's back in, um, I'll I'll pull her back up. Um, but this, you know, so happy that she sh she shared with us about those bigger contracts, like. Who can claim that? You know, like your first client um, is Nestle. Um, you know, your first client, you know, one of your first couple of clients is Apple and Dell. That's amazing. So um, entrepreneurs listening to this, like 
go make your connections to reach out to your network. Hi, mate. Stacy is back now. So let's bring her back on. Um, and we'll pick up where we left off. So you can contact the city. Is that what you were going to say? Stacey? <laughs> right. Yeah, you can, you can contact uh, the city or. Oh man, there it goes again. Um, so something's, something's happened on that internet, but again, I'll, I'll keep going in the meantime. Um, and again, just feel free to keep taking notes on the processes at hand. Um, you know, if you're trying to get your business established and you're not working with your network, your community, um, you know, the, and you're not showing up. I heard her talk about um, reaching out to the best of the best, being willing to include them on the contract. Did she give the bulk of the contract away? Did she keep it? We don't know those little details, but are you creating win-win situations where people who are great at what they do want to work with you? Um, you should be if you're not. All right. Let's see if you're back. Yes. All right. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. So um, contact the city. Um, is, how do you do that? Um, through like a 311 or you can usually find them on online, the city's website, the utilities department, or it's usually the solid waste services department. Um, and it's important to find out what your local hauler will take. So if they take, you know, come and pick up your recycling bin, um, make sure that, you know, that they recycle glass. And if they don't, don't put glass in your bin. Uh, so that's what I mean by different uh, different programs are completely different city by city or, you know, government by government or hauler by hauler and processor by processor. So it's, it's important to find out what they take, what they don't take, and then act accordingly. Jaime, do me a favor, pull up some, some, uh, B roll, if you will, of, of landfills in the U S um, you know, and, and let's get an idea of what this, this looks like. Um, you know, and, and, or ocean trash too, like just, uh, you know, again, just a visually, um, you know, or, or trash in corporate offices too. Um, you know, there's lots of different opportunities to, to showcase what we're talking about and the gravity of it. Um, you know, do you, do you typically go to, um, companies in, in dire needs or is it like an everyday company that you wouldn't expect to have, um, that you would expect to have perfect waste management systems? Uh, who do you normally work with? Um, I work with the companies, um, well, you know, obviously we've, we've been working with larger companies since our inception, but I really think my target market is more the middle, um, the mid level businesses who may not be able to afford employing a sustainability operations manager or a sustainability engineer or have a sustainability team. If they can employ our consulting services and we can come in and we can train their staff, we can do a waste audit, we can um, you know, help them find all those money leaks uh, within their business because we're you know, optimizing uh, their operations and we're renegotiating their hauler contracts to right size their dumpster space and fill levels and their frequency of pickup. You know, we can provide all these services to get them a dialed in you know, business specific plan for implementation and help them implement it um, as well. So we provide that kind of white glove service. Um, Do you look but, at how it financially benefits them and kind of provide them a breakdown of, of how it impacts their, yeah. their costs and their, ooh, go yeah. ahead. If I can, if I can look at a, you know, if I can look at a month's worth of your, your waste hauler bills, it, yeah. We can usually find about 20% cost savings month to month. 
Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So let me, let me throw some company names out there. So like <laughs> is, is Bucky's like the type of level that, that wouldn't perhaps do it in house? Or do you think they have a sustainability director in house? I don't, I've got a Bucky's less than a mile from me. <laughs> I can go and knock on their door and find <laughs> out. <laughs> right. um, would that be like an ideal style of client? What about a, a top golf, um, you know, or, a, I don't know, a, what's a chain torchies tacos right they're starting mm -hmm. to spread and, and have quite a few yeah. stores throughout the, the throughout texas well, torchies got started in austin that means they have to comply with the business recycling and food waste diversion standards of the universal recycling ordinance is that so, the level and style of you're referring to though um so yeah i mean you know um we can do restaurants we can do chains we can do um you know, office parks, we can do medical facilities. It's, you know, if you create materials and mm -hmm. uh, we can help you divert them from landfill, it's, it's really, um, but again, we customize your approach because you have to implement it within your industry and you have to implement it within the spot that your business is located. So yep. if that municipality doesn't offer recycling, we probably, you know, can't help you with recyclables, but if you're in an area where there's a, um, uh, you know, a, a local construction and demolition kind of uh, crusher type plant, and you've got those kinds of materials that you need to get rid of, let's connect you, right? Let's let's find those out outward alternative uh, avenues in order to get your materials um, away from landfill. It may not be municipal. Awesome recyclables, but it could be other types of materials within your business that aren't the typical recyclable materials. There's, there's a lot of reuse and remanufacturing uh, options around other kind of hard to recycle materials. All right. Follow, following concept, MNC, MPI. Okay. If we had, if we could choose the entities in the world right now, the ideal ones for you that were, were you able to put the minimum necessary change possible to create the maximum possible impact right minimum necessary change for the massive uh, for the maximum possible impact what would that what what industry what brand or what what companies i would say food permitted businesses would be the biggest impact because about 30 to 40 percent of the entire u.s waste stream is food waste when mm -hmm. one in seven Americans go hungry. Okay. So having that disconnect is an absolute travesty. Yeah. Perfectly good food, consumable foods are being landfilled and not donated because businesses still think that they can get sued. And that's right. not the case. Is the it 1990, not? It's not. The 1996 uh, Good Samaritan Act under Bill Clinton um, gave, you know, legal um, relief from any business um, so they can't be held legally liable if someone gets sick from donated food from their establishment if it's held to proper time and temperature standards through the state's health department and it is donated to a food redistribution nonprofit organization that has the food handling you know safety and food handling um, requirements met of their volunteers or employees that do the actual redistribution. So this would be your local food bank um, or another kind of uh, organization like Keep Austin Fed. Mm -hmm. 
which is a good one here in the, the Austin area. Um, if you keep it to proper time and temperature standards, and if those donations are made in good faith that you were trying to help the community, then you can't be legally sued if somebody happens to get sick. And if you keep a manifest of everything that you've donated and the weight, you can um, receive a 15% fair market value return on your taxes for what you've donated. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm, he's not the president of the United States, but I do look forward to introducing you to Howie Nestel um, and San Antonio Sharkmatic yeah. Advertising. He is good friends with the San Antonio Food Bank uh, yeah. director as well as the mayor of the city. And uh, he's um, he's got some clients that he's worked with that, that you know, he may be able to have a pretty massive impact with. Um, so I'd love to introduce you. I'll do that after the show. Uh, visionaries, this is what it's all about, is finding those strategic partnerships, collaborations that, because it's the right thing to do, um, you know, make it happen. And the byproduct of doing the right thing, as Marusha talked about in the last episode, is that you there's profits that come from that um, in many different forms. So um, if that ends up being of value to you, of course, Stacey, happy to make that that introduction and see where it goes. It would be the best thing I could do, um, you know, to, to make an immediate impact. And we appreciate you sharing your story today helping us see, um, you know, what, how we could open our minds to contribute better to the cause. And I wish you the best of success as you continue to make a difference in ways that so many of us often overlook. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to encourage people that we do make a collective difference if everybody is making the small change um, in their everyday lives. But one thing that we can do is to hold the the companies accountable that are making these products and ask them, them to make them in a more sustainable way with more sustainable products, phase out toxins, and also hold government accountable to enforcing the laws or strengthening the laws that are already on books. Awesome. Thank you, Stacey, so much. Vision Pros, you guys have an excellent day. We will see you soon. Everybody take care. Bye, y'all. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent time building out your